This is June 29th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great week, a great day. Apologies to begin for no episode last week. I was on vacation. I should have announced that uh, the last episode, but I didn't. I uh, just completely spaced it, honestly. Uh, but happy to be back. Nice vacation. Hopefully you guys can all get a chance to take a little trip uh, at some point this summer or in the fall uh, with things opening back up. So nice to be down the Cape for a full week. Beautiful beach, Mayflower Beach, amazing place. Uh, Dennis Mass was awesome, uh, but happy to be back. And there are uh, no shortage of Bruins things to talk about. So in this episode, Connor and I got all caught up. Uh, and we obviously, we talked mainly about how the Bruins can improve on D this offseason. Because the last episode, we mainly focused on Krejci and Rask. In this episode, I thought, you know what? I think we should take a good in-depth look at how to improve the defense. And we actually came up with a pretty good plan. Came up with a pretty good plan. Not such for the Bruins to enforce it, you know, make us the general managers. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, this episode was all about how to navigate the free agent market, uh, maybe some trades, in-house stuff. So we get into all that in this episode. We also kind of discussed the Trent Frederick signing just very quickly at the beginning. Uh, before we get into the episode, bet online is still the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. The Stanley Cup is beginning. The NBA finals are right around the corner and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the latest news. Odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch or the next tip-off or the next puck drop, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Do, do not forget, do not forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So I want to start the episode off by first uh, giving our condolences to David Pasternak and his girlfriend. Uh, They lost their newborn son just a few days ago. Horrible, heartbreaking situation. And just, you know, thoughts and prayers with them. It's just awful. Just horrendous. Um, And, you know, we're thinking of them as everyone is thinking of them uh, at this difficult time. So we'll start with that. Uh, But, uh, you know, how are you doing these days? Uh, Evan, yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, uh, still in the, getting through the start of the off season, start planning out some stuff. Obviously, uh, hope you enjoyed your, your vacation, uh, <laughs> down the Cape. Um, obviously, yeah, leading off echoing, echoing what you said, and obviously just, you know, heart wrenching news. Uh, so thoughts and prayers go to David and his girlfriend and his whole family for, uh, that situation, but, uh, yeah, for me, uh, just gearing up for the off season. Obviously we got some, some traction, uh, with the Trent Frederick news. And I think as we've said multiple times already this, uh, this summer, it's going to be probably news every other day. Once they get into the swing of things, I think once that crack and draft gets settled out, we're going to have 
whole bunch of player movements. So slowly gearing up for that. Yes. And the vacation was nice. It was fun. A week of just nothing sitting on the beach and just detaching from reality. Uh, it was a good time. Weird sunburn on my left shoulder though. Like really weird. Like I missed a spot and it's just like all it's concentrated. It's, yeah. It's very bad. It's, it's, it's very tan, but it's a burn. Um, but I, I actually, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. Weird. Not, first of all, apologies to everyone for not doing Bruins beat last week. There, thankfully there's a poke bear. Didn't do a Bruins beat. Uh, so hopefully we can make up for it with this episode. That's the first time. And I don't know how long that we did not talk once last week in like this. Tragic. We didn't do a podcast. The people, the people didn't know the what peop- to do. The, peop- the people were up in arms, Evan. The people were pissed. They, they're, you, enjoy- you were enjoying a nice ice cream at Sunday school. And meanwhile, yes. people were, were throwing chairs and were harassing you on Twitter, asking for at Evan Marinovsky. So good to have you they back were- in the fold. Yes, yes. Nice to be back. Nice to be a little bit refreshed. And you'll be on vacation soon too, right? In the next few weeks at some point? Yeah, yeah. I'm going... uh few days down to Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm Ooh. ready to uh, promptly sweat through all of my clothes very quickly. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, Washington State for a uh, couple of days later in July. So You're joining the Kraken. Place. Just admit it. Just announce I'm it now. Not joining, joining the Kraken. I'm not, I'm not joining the Kraken. No, I am going to be up in northern Washington. Uh, so I'm, go- I'm joining the Canucks. So Okay. Oh, well, there you go. Like Tortorello when he was the coach. He lived exactly, in Washington yes. State and he coached the Canucks. So Yeah, exactly. Right. Brilliant moves all around. But yes, that is the vacation talk uh, for this episode. Well, I was on vacation and I kind of missed this. I, I saw this like usually when stuff happens, you see it immediately. Um, and this I saw like an hour after it happened. I was like, damn, I, I really am on cloud nine out here. Uh, Trent Frederick signed for two years, uh, 1.05 million per nothing crazy. I don't think this was a little, it is a little different that they signed him before the Kraken draft, but also like he still could have got picked up because he's yeah. an RFA. So it doesn't matter. Um, but I think this, you know, the money's not crazy. I think the main thing here is he just needs to go for a fourth line legit role. Um, if you're paying him over a million, make sure that he's actually playing and he's not just taking up, you know, your cap, like some other players have done in the past. So I think that's really it. I mean, do you, do you have any other expectations for Frederick next year? No, I mean, it's one of those ones where I think the expectations have been set for a while now. They have big expectations, I think, going into this year because it's not like previous years where it's like, all right, hopefully he breaks through this year, but we also have Corrali and Wagner and Paul Lindholm and all these other kind of guys in that mix. Next year, you know, I would assume most likely that Sean Crowley's not coming back. I think he's going to get a nice contract somewhere else, maybe Columbus or, or what have you. So, like, there's a legitimate void on that fourth line that not only the fact that they need him, I think to step into a role, but they need him to excel because that fourth line needs to really bounce back, especially from last year. But even the year before that, they really kind of struggle with the D zone stats that they got. So um, for, for him to uh, come on strong, to really carve out a role to stay in the lineup, um, it's going to be crucial for him. So expectations aren't different, but they're definitely, I think, raised in terms of his importance to the team because, um, if he's the Frederick that we saw for the first few weeks, first month or so of the regular season last year, and he builds off of that, that's great. But you need to sustain that over the course of a year because he's most likely barring a trade or, you know, signing like a legitimate, like fourth line free agent. He's probably the next man up. Yeah. I, am I also wrong to kind of expect a little more? I mean, he's a former first round pick. I know obviously we're at the point now where everyone's kind of like, well, he probably shouldn't have went where he did, but still, I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's produced offensively. Like, I feel like there still is a role for him 
above just a fourth line agitator, you know, like you don't draft those in the first round. Um, but I do think that there's a little bit more offensively to give. And I know that one of the big things this offseason is going to be making that fourth line offensive, making that fourth line be able to do those ozone things that you know the fourth line hasn't been able to do in the past two seasons. And I think Frederick, you know, can help that, but I think he can help up top a little bit more. Maybe he's a third line presence, you know, I mean, Obviously, the extreme example is Brad Marchand. You know, Brad Marchand came in. No one expected him to, you know, propel himself to helping the team uh, win the 2011 Cup and then obviously becoming what he has become now, which is, you know, maybe a top 10 player, top five player in the league. Um, obviously, we don't expect that out of Frederick, but I do expect to see some offense out of him at some point. Um, and again, that comes with comfort on the line and that comes with just producing. And I think that at some point that has to be expected. Um, and this money doesn't demand that. It's not like, oh my God, if yeah. he doesn't score 20 points next year, this million dollars is going to go down the drain. Uh, but I do think that the offense needs to come at some point. Speaking of offense, let's talk defense. Yes. Uh, <laughs> brilliant segue right there. Um, we spent the last episode, which is now two weeks ago, on the futures of Tuka Rask and David Krejci, which I imagine we will discuss many more times. So I would like to save any new developments on that because there really hasn't been anything new that's come out on that unless I missed it. Maybe I was out on the beach with my head in the sand, quite literally. Um, but I don't think I did. I don't think there's any new developments on that front. With our luck, there will be a development Tuesday morning after this drops. <laughs> but uh, the one area where the Bruins real, really need improvements is on D. Uh, and you know, you have Brandon Carlo, who is in need of a new deal, but he's an RFA still, so he's probably not going anywhere. Um, but you have Mike Riley, who's a, a UFA, and... It's clear, it was clear in the playoffs, it was clear all season, you needed more depth on D. And it's tough because I think that, you know, you look at the free agent pool of defensemen for this offseason, you have a lot of older veterans who are not going to be commanding huge long-term deals. I think the guy who's going to get paid, and I know you agree with me on this, is Alec Martinez. Played the whole playoffs on a broken foot. (laughs) That's some Eric Carlson shit. That's nuts. Yeah, not a big Um, deal. Not a big deal. He'll have no problem paying for the surgery for that when he gets his new deal with whoever. But because everyone's going to be clamoring for him, his money, he's 34, it's going to go up. And it's not really a smart deal for a 34-year-old who, by the way, has scored some huge goals. Like, obviously, yeah, he has he's that a great cup. player. He has that cup winner that, like, I imagine, like, scoring a goal to win this, like, actually, like, scoring the OT winner to win the Stanley Cup. He also had a goal... Um, I think was it, it game that? Se- was it wasn't it game seven of the conference final too? It was. It was against yeah. the Blackhawks. That yeah. one too. And I think that was the same playoffs. That was fourteen. So yeah, I mean, look, the guy obviously has a, has had a great career, and he's going to get paid some more uh, with this resurgence he's had with the Knights. Uh, but I don't think that that's a smart move for the Bruins. I don't think that's your your move. You know, unless it's a one or two year thing. But even then, yeah. he's thirty five, thirty six. That's not exactly what you're you looking for. You don't want to be the the team that pays him up and you know, get the inevitable decline that's going to come. Like, it's going yeah. to come eventually. So you don't want to be the team holding the contract when, when the, you know, the bottom kind of falls out there. Yeah, no, exactly. And so I don't, and I, I think we, we both agree that's not the move. Uh, we'll start with Mike Riley, because that's the guy you currently had. And you have, you know, sounds like from the end of the season press conference, sounds like a deal will be made at some point with him. Do you think he could be a legit top four defenseman? Good question, Evan. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a good player. I think you saw a lot of the strengths that he brings to the team. And I think in his role, he excelled in it for most of his time here. It's just the question is, what role do you want him to be on a Stanley Cup winning team, right? Because I think he was definitely exposed in the playoffs. And 
it, it's tough because I think he's going to get a nice contract. It's like, it's just, you want the Bruins to be the ones to be signing him when there's other options out there that might give you a little bit of a different dynamic. Like it, it, it all comes down to, do you want both Grizzly and Riley on the team together? Right. Cause I think I'm not to say they're fully redundant, but does this, you know, do you need two guys that kind of fit the similar mold like that to be in the lineup together when, if you, you know, we'll probably talk about other guys they can tag, but if you get two other guys who are a little bit different that are bigger or more shutdown oriented and you still have Grizzly there, uh, is that enough as opposed to getting Grizzly and Riley and taking up a spot that could be used for uh, a veteran pickup guy that might be, you know, a little bit of a different dynamic from him. So it, it's going to be tough to see uh, what they end up doing in that regard because, you know, it, if you sign him, I don't think it's, it, it would be like a bad thing because I think he's still, you know, he has strengths here, but I think he's best used on a Stanley Cup contending team as like a third pairing guy. So, oh, yeah. you know, may, maybe they sign another guy or they trade for another legit top four guy and then you have Riley as a third pairing. Then that's intriguing, but it's all going to be, comes down to, I think, what the Bruins have to identify to, to add to this decor because they got to add someone, obviously, if not multiple guys, but it's all has to be what the identity is and what you're looking for out there because what, you know, I'd imagine after the way the decor got knocked around in the playoffs, it's going to be getting bigger or getting more shutdown guys or guys that need a lot of minutes, take tougher D zone draws. So if that's the stance they take, then, then it becomes a little bit harder to map out where Riley goes because Bruins, I think would love to have him back, but if you're going to hand him a contract, that's three, three and a half million and you could sign a guy like Alexiak or something to that same amount of money. Who who are you kind of targeting in that in that regard, right? Because two very different players. Uh, I think both teams or multiple teams would love to sign either one of them. But if you're the Bruins and you already have Grizzly here, what you know? What's the exact plan going to be in terms of remaking that decor? Yeah, and that's the thing, and that's the the whole thing of like you know you have needs. A need is not a puck moving left shot defenseman who's really good in the Ozone, which you have with Grizzly. Um, and again, also Mike Riley played himself into more money this year. Like he's not most likely going to get paid like a bot, like a third pairing defenseman, most likely. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be teams who want him. <laughs> like he, he, again, he was not, uh, you know, even though he, he was exposed a bit in his own zone against the Islanders, he was for the most part this year, very good offensively. You know, that's, that's a good offensive defenseman. And so, you know, again, you're going to maybe have to overpay for him unless he wants to just stay here. I, 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 I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they end up signing him to if they do, which it sounds like they will. Um, but I agree with you. I think on a contending team, Mike Riley's your, and I, I think I said this the night of the Bruins game six loss was like, if, if you are going to be competing for a cup, Mike Riley's your third pairing defenseman. But again, you have Lozon, you know, who goes with the Seattle draft, but for right now you have Lozon. So you also have him. Um, I think. What's going to come down to is if you want to add a legit top four defenseman, there's no one like that uh, in the free agent pool uh, that you can have long-term, that you can really build around. And I think you're going to have to do that through trade. And obviously, Matias Ekholm is the, the guy. That's the guy we've said for months. You know, And I, again, it's hard to, see, to, to say how much he's available. There hasn't really been many reports about him uh, with Nashville. He has a year left on his deal. Um, it would take less to get him now because he has the a year left. But again, it's also the direction Nashville wants to go. And they went to the playoffs. So maybe they say, hey, we're going to hold on to him and try one more time. Um, yeah. 
But I'll tell you one top four def- left shot defenseman who the Bruins should not go after. And you've had a chance to talk about this. I have not. It's Oliver Ekman Larson. No way. No, no thanks. There's no, there's not even really like y- 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 people are like, well, if you retain part of his salary and you only give up, le- no, I, I don't want that. That's just, that's not the answer. Find the yeah. answer elsewhere with that. I, I mean, it's one of those situations where I tried to look when I, when I wrote something about Ekman Lyons and when the rumors came back up again, it's like trying to find some concessions that both teams can make that could warrant it. Because I, you know, I could say in a vacuum, like pitching it of like, you know what, screw it. Maybe the Bruins get him and uh, he has this second half rebirth with the new team. It seems like he just wants out now and needs a fresh start, which can go a long way, I guess, to, towards getting a guy kind of reset. Um, and maybe he goes to the Bruins and new city, bigger market, but no longer has to be the guy, you know, like he was in Arizona, kind of similar to Taylor Hall in Buffalo. It doesn't have to, you know, be that guy. Maybe he rebounds, but if you try to compare it to the Taylor Hall situation, I could see it, but even if you look at Taylor Hall, who was on a horrid team last year, uh, you look at his underlying numbers and it, you could still see like the, the potential there. The guy, even though he wasn't maybe putting up the points or the goals, especially that you were expecting, still was had elite transition numbers, still was great at generating high danger chances. The problem is he had like, Casey Middlestat to bury his chances. So he wasn't burying chances. So you could see uh, making the argument with like, especially with his contract and, and how it was one year deal, no risk of like, you know what? There's potential there. Let's bring him aboard. And he's still Taylor Hall. He's still for a number one overall pick. There's a good chance that he at least becomes a serviceable top six guy. If not became kind of what he was during the regular season, which was an elite addition to the team. And the money wasn't bad. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> this, with Ekman Larson, it's like, all right, maybe he's good, but how good is he going to be? He's not going to be, I think, 2013 to 2019 Ekman Larson of 22 minutes a night, I think averaging about 17 goals a season as a defenseman. Like He's not that kind of player anymore. Even if he rebounds and becomes a serviceable, solid second-pairing guy, uh, his numbers the last few years have just been dreadful. And it's not even a, a situation where it's like, well, maybe he's with Arizona and like their, their system doesn't, isn't catered to them. But like, look at like Chutrin, how good he was last year. He was fantastic for the, the Coyotes and pretty much leapfrogged Ekman Larson in the depth chart. So it's not like it's just like a situation in Arizona. So it's more of just individual play for Ekman Larson slipping. And again, as you said, even if, even if he is a, a uh, let's say he's a okay second pairing guy at this point. You want, you need the Arizona Coyotes to eat at least probably half of that contract, which I don't think they're going to do. And even then, f- almost four, four and a half, almost five million dollars for a guy who's an okay second pairing defenseman. Not what you're looking for in this flat cap era. Not when the Bruins have so many other moves they have to make, whether that's also signing, uh, you know, maybe an Alexiak or like a Jake McCabe. You have to look at that third line of acquiring not a, a marginal guy who you hope does well. Like, no, you need to sign like a Blake Coleman or like a legitimate guy that can help drive that line. Like you've got multiple moves you have to make here. So even if Arizona retains half salary, which I don't think they're going to do, I don't see how that works out for the Bruins. And, and maybe it's, you know, I think we've speculated, like maybe it's the Kyrie's have to throw sweeteners into the deal, whether that's, um, you know, would they move a guy like Connor Gowland, who I think is, we've talked about before, would be a great pickup. Like that guy could be a top six guy elsewhere. If he's with Coyle on the third line, 
you've got a legitimate probably 20 goal score on the third line. That's great. But even then, you still have Ekman Larson, who I don't think is the solution on that top pairing. Like, you're still getting a guy who is a body. It used to be an all-star. But is it going to help you when you have Connor Gowland, you know, scoring goals, doing great on that third line, and you still have a black hole next to McAvoy or Carlo? Like, you don't, you don't know what Ekman Larson is at this point, but it's most likely not that good. Yeah, and the other thing is you can't be wasting money anywhere because you have yes. to pay Charlie McAvoy next offseason. Yes. Like, that's another big thing. Like, you, you got to do that. And the other thing is, you know, we mentioned the biggest uh, flaw in this this defense this the past two years has been, you know, guys getting to the middle. You know, other team, you know, they're not good enough clearing out the, the front of the net. You know, they, they need bigger guys back there. Uh, you know, you need to be better in your own zone. Ekman Larson doesn't help you in that regard. Mm-hmm. Ekman Larson's biggest upside is he can help you offensively, which he's been bad at. Lately. Yes. And you also just the same thing with Riley. Like the Bruins have Grizzlick. <laughs> the Bruins have Grizzlick and, and, and they might even have Riley. Like what is the need for Ekman Larson there? And remember they were rumored to be in on him. Ekman Larson last off season. It was like, no. And his numbers were even worse this year. I mean, again, Jay fresh uh, on Twitter has the, the graphic cards up 5% war percentile. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> One, I mean, the rest of the rest of the power play. It's like, all right, maybe he's really bad at even strength, but like he's a, playmaking offensive defenseman. Maybe we add him to the power play. Some issues last year with Grizzlick and McAvoy. Maybe he's a guy that still could be like a second pairing power play specialist. Uh, not great. One, one percentile. He's in the one percentile. <laughs> How do you do that? I, I don't know. I, I have zero idea. I just, I look at the advanced stats. I trust them. Uh, 12% even strength defense, 19% uh, even strength offense. So nothing there. And again, like Jay Fresh even said this on Twitter, like, you know, People can say, oh, maybe it's Arizona. Chicharron was 83% war percentile. Um, and that's the guy who basically took his role, as he took said, his took his job. Yeah. So, yeah, Ekman Larson is not the move. Because, uh, again, Arizona probably isn't retaining a lot of salary. What are you giving up in return? Like, that's just a whole mess. Don't go near it. Not worth it. There will be a stupider team like Vancouver to pick up Ekman Larson. Mm. You don't need to be in on that. Guys like Ekholm, worth it. You know, and again, you have to get creative. I mean, maybe there's someone else we're not even thinking of. You go for in a, ta- a trade. I mean, uh, this is dating myself, but Dennis Seidenberg. I don't. Re- I mean, granted, I was so young back then, but I don't remember there being like a big push for Seidenberg, unless I could be totally wrong. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. You know, that was getting creative to find a top four uh, legit left shot defenseman. Maybe just bring back Dennis Seidenberg. I mean, what the yeah. hell? Just, yeah. just do that. Just relive the glory days. People love mm-hmm. doing that around here. Um. You mentioned two other names, uh, Jake McCabe and Jamie Alexiak. I'll throw John Merrill in there as well um, mm-hmm. for the left shot. Yeah, yeah, Alexiak could maybe maybe slot in in the top four. McCabe's younger, so maybe he could as well. But those are guys you'd like to see on that third pairing. Uh, how do you think the money will work out where they can get one of these guys? Because it sounds like Alexiak will be making the most. I think like Alexiak. I like I think Alexiak. Like let's say if you went. If you're not able to make a trade and like, let's say like Ekholm doesn't move. And I think it was Pierre Lebrun had a thing in the athletic recently about Ekholm about like, of course he's going to be a trade target because he was in the midst of it last year. But like, apparently there's very much a willingness from Ekholm to stay in Nashville that he would like take like a discount deal to stay there. So that kind of blows up your spot because Ekholm checks every single box in terms of what you're looking for. Right. Like, and even then other guys out there, like, this, this Hannafin maybe, but there's no, there hasn't been any smoke at all about like them wanting to move Hannafin. Maybe if like Kachuk wants out and they just want to blow it up, that can change. But there hasn't been any like, 
whispers like there were last year about Hannafin because I think he had a very good year this past year with Tanev. But there aren't any other like legitimate guys that like fit everything that Ekholm is. Where a veteran helps a win now team, twenty two plus minutes a night, shut down, generates offense. Like he's he's everything you need. If you don't get him, you know, if you want to do the free agency route, uh, I think Alexia could be like a very good second pairing guy. I think. You know, even if, you know, McAvoy and Grizzly, as much as that, I think some people detract from that as being a top true pairing. If your second pairing is Alexiak and Kahlo, who are two bigger guys, like, uh, you know, Alexiak, I think especially his race has stuck tremendously the last two years. I mean, he's obviously the first thing you notice, big, big boy, six, 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 seven, I think. Right. So. Uh, great shutdown guy. I think he's in the 90th percentile uh, in terms of even strength defense amongst defensemen last year. So, and also has a pretty good shot. I think that's one thing that Cassidy has mentioned is one thing they miss. It's not just like an offensive playmaker. It's not like they need that. They need a dude who can like fire in shots in the blue line. They don't have like a, a guy who has that threat, which if you got a, a defense against you that likes to collapse, you need to account for a guy out there that can hammer one home. Right. So uh, Alexiak brings that he's not, just a, a complete shutdown dude who can't chip in offensively. So I think he's going to get paid. Right? He could get four, four and a half million. So if he's your big signing, I think he helps. Like I, I do think if you got him, he hit, he fits the size requirement that I think a lot of Bruins fans are going to be clamoring for. Uh, and if he's with Kahlo, you've got a pretty intrigue or you could switch it around. I think Alexiak and McAvoy, any, anyone who's with McAvoy is going to be a top, a good, very good pair. Put him like a shutdown guy with McAvoy. It's going to be tough to score on most nights and he put Kahlo with uh Grizzly that that group had some intrigue last year where they were kind of more of a shutdown line too where I think Carlos defensive ability complements a guy like Mac uh like Grizzly who can get the puck out of danger pretty quickly and stuff like that so if they sign Alexiak as like kind of their big move I wouldn't be opposed to it because I think he would fit in well and checks off at least a couple of the requirements of what they're looking for and then even McCabe I like he's a guy that I think if the Bruins can get on a value deal, because granted he's coming off of ACL surgery. So he missed all of, he missed a good chunk of last year, but he's a guy who I think on, if he was fully healthy could, could make probably three and a half, four million in a regular season. Cause he's a legit like second pairing guy. Uh, as bad as Buffalo was, their defense was bad last year, but it, went off a cliff as soon as he went down with an injury. So like McCabe's a guy who the underlying metrics love him, but even if you just watch his game, uh, good skater, very physical, you know, multi- if you like look up his highlights, most of them is him just popping guys, but you know, go with the puck on his stick. Uh, a dude who I think if healthy would definitely be a second pairing option. If you can get McCabe for, you know, 2 million, for a shorter term deal where there's some of that risk coming back and he's like your third pairing guy, you know, we don't know what happens with Lozon, but like if they go into this off season and their left side is Grizzlick, Alexiak, feel free to switch those two. And McCabe is your third pairing guy. You've added two physical larger guys that also can chip in offensively like that. That I think is what the Bruins have to be looking for. If like, especially if Ekholm is not available, bring those two guys into the fold. Your, your defense looks drastically different with, a guy in Alexiak who's a legitimate shutdown guy and a guy in McCabe who even if he's shaking off some rust is a damn good third pairing guy. And he could be well beyond whatever contract you sign him to because he's, he's legit McCabe. Like it sucks. He's coming off that injury, but he's a very, very good player. Yeah. And the more you talk about Alexiak, the more I like the idea of him maybe in the top four. 
because he, as you said, he does help. Uh, and he fits along, he'd fit alongside Carlo great and he fit alongside McAvoy, maybe even better. Uh, cause I think they, they had Grizzlick and Carlo together at the beginning of last year. That's yeah. what they wanted. They wanted that to, to offset each other. So I think Alexia could work in the top four. I, if they did that, I, again, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think and it I, helps. And I think it's one thing too. It's like I said earlier, like I think you put anyone with McAvoy, they're going to be very good. I mean, for, as, as you said, like where they put Carlo and Grizzlick together, McAvoy, they put him with a bunch of unproven rookies and the, the metrics are still good, even though. You take like a low zone off the right? line. Yeah. If you put them off of McAvoy, numbers cratered. What happens if you put a guy like Alexiak who is good, like is a good shutdown guy who can also chip in offensively? Like you've got a legit D pairing there. And then again, you put Kahlo and Grizzly together who looked pretty promising last year. Like as much as I think people that last game from Grizzly has maybe put a, a bad taste in the mouth of some Bruins fans or you're concerned about Kahlo's injury history. They're still good, two very, very good players. You still want them in your top four. Uh, and then if you round out with uh, McCabe and whether it's Clifton, if he's still here, or if they sign a right shot, bigger guy like, you know, like a Yanni Hakampa or some other guy like that. If like you're, you're a third pairing, you end up getting McCabe and like Hakampa, who's 6'5". You got a big, you got a big lineup, man. You got a, you got a big lineup. And you still have a guy like Grizzly, who's the offensive playmaker. Uh, you still got McAvoy, who is only going to get better. People forget about that. He's still going to get better. Like your defense looks drastically different. If you get even those three guys in free agency. Yeah. And again, that helps. That helps. You're a different defense. You fix your issues, but you mentioned it there at the end that even if you do uh, get McCabe and uh, Oleksiak, or at least just bolster the left side, you still have the right side to worry about mm-hmm. the right side. Again, after McAvoy and Carlo Clifton's maybe gone to Seattle. Yeah. And then Miller's not, Miller's a UFA. We don't know what the deal with him is yet. Um, so the right side, and there's not a lot of right shot guys in the system that can step in on that third yeah. bank. So you also have to d- figure out what the deal is with that. You also have John Moore. <laughs> Sorry, you do. You still have him. Um, so that's another thing. And that's why I, that's why you do hope that they don't get complacent and say, well, we have John Moore. We can put on the third pairing or, oh, you know, we have Lozon. He's going to be a year older. And it feels like that's something they normally do. But after the past couple of years, man, how do you not do what you just said? Where you go out and you and you go for an Alexiak or a McCabe or a Hockenpah or just to bolster the this and the tough part is it sounds like they might just go with Riley. That could be like their their mm-hmm. UFA guy, maybe add another as well. But that's the thing is they need to actually make these additions. And again, it sounds great on paper. I mean again, you said if they rolled out a, a deep core next year of Krizik, McAvoy, Carlo, Alexiak, McCabe, Hockenpah, whoever. It, that's great. Like that's that's a cup contender. Um yeah. but again it depends on what they actually do. And it feels like Riley will be back. Uh at least given off his comments. No one said anything different. Just off his comments he thinks he's coming back. So um who knows? But so that's the that's the defensive segment. That's the defensive segment of today. Before we go before we go the Stanley Cup uh, did start last night, technically. Monday night it began. Um, so we don't, obviously, we don't know what happened in game one, but we have our predictions for, uh, for the series. Uh, I say lightning and six. Lightning and six. I think the, uh, the lightning, uh, I think the Canadians have been a fun team. They've been a fun story for a while, but against a team like the lightning, it's going to wear out. They'll win two games. They'll win two, but I do think the lightning pull it out in six. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I have lightning and six. I <sighs> think, and like, I, I, I don't want to, uh, diminish what Montreal has done because I wrote a, a column about about them uh, this past weekend talking about kind of what lessons 
seems like the Bruins can learn from Montreal. And of course, people are like, well, you playing in a bullshit division. What, what else do you think they're in there? I'm like, listen, I understand there's that. I understand luck is involved, which luck is involved with every team that <laughs> Stanley Cup. Like, you need pucks. You need good fortune on your side. Unfor- like, that's how it works, right? Uh, that's why the 2019 playoffs were so painful because how much luck fell in the Bruins' favor in that series. But you look at the way they play, though. Like, they may not be the most riveting style of play, but they have all the hallmarks of teams that do well in the postseason, right? You've got locked-in goalie. You've got an absurd amount of depth. That's what, like, the biggest thing I think now is, and I think we've talked about this before, people want to talk about the Blues and how the Bruins have to get these big, huge dudes because they're going to punch you in the mouth. It's like, yes, you need big you know you need physical guys you need i think especially in the decor you need a lot of bigger bodies you'll get uh montreal's defense where it's weber and you know uh joel edmondson and a few of these other guys they've got all, all these guys who are you know over six feet i think the only one who maybe isn't is gustafson who's barely even kind of really plays in that rotation but you look at their top four it's kind of the same as you saw last year with tampa when you saw uh, in 2019 with the Blues, where they've got bigger guys on defense. But then up front, they've got four lines they can roll out that can all score. And that's what you need. You need four lines that are capable of doing that, whether it's Daniel's line or you've got, you know, uh, Tyler DeFoley, uh, Josh Anderson helped out that third line when he came aboard, that fourth line with uh, Perry and Stahl and all those guys. Like, you need four lines all firing on all cylinders, and that's what – if you're the Bruins, in terms of taking a lesson out of it, one, you got to get bigger on defense, and you need you need multiple lines contributing. You can't have the Bergeron line leading the way again. You need, ideally, if Krejci and Hall come back, you need those guys operating well, but you need that third line getting, you know, whether it's Coyle coming back from his offseason surgery, playing better, you need, again, I keep on saying Blake Coleman. There's probably a bunch of other guys that we'll talk about, but you need, like, a guy like that, a guy that you have to – open up the wallet for and sign. It's going to help drive that line as well. And you need to switch around that fourth line. So, um, you, you know, as much as Montreal, it drives people crazy that they, you, you know, they say they're a team of destiny with just luck. They've got the hallmarks of teams that do well in the playoffs and you have to start adapting to that if you're the Bruins. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking at their lineup right now. Their top three centers, Dano, Suzuki, Kuk, and Yemi, all developed by the Canadians draft also, also plays into it. Yeah. Young talent but, supplementing the core. Yeah. Also developing young talent down the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that nuts. And I mean, you just look at the lineup, you know, the fourth line, Armia stall Perry, mm-hmm. like that is a legit fourth line. That could be most teams third line. So yeah, I mean, d- deep as anything. Uh, they also have Shea Weber back there. Who's been very good. So yeah, uh, that team could definitely give the lightning a run for their money. I still think the lightning though, that's gonna be hard to top. Uh, that's going to be a hard team to beat and they'll probably repeat as champions. So that is my, uh, that's our predictions, lightning and six. Go freaking figure. Uh, but anyways, uh, that is Bruins beat for this week. Connor, before he goes, or anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, we're going to be breaking down uh, next couple of days. We'll look at all the Bruins pending free agents and see kind of what the Bruins end up doing there. And then we'll also be running out a column looking at potential uh, trade trade options for the Bruins on defense, as we kind of talked about today, where I think Ekholm's the big prize, but if he doesn't move, it's a little uh, dour in terms of what you're looking at. Like, even if it's a guy like Vince Dunn, I think Vince Dunn's a good player. I think you have a lot of pissed off Bruins fans because Vince Dunn <laughs> isn't exactly a, a big bodied guy. He's a good player, but maybe not exactly what you're looking for. So we'll have that out next couple of days as well over at BSJ. So subscribe over at bostonsportschannel.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. 
this podcast will be a nice little preview for that for that column that people can look forward to. But yes, do all that. Uh, for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruinsby listeners, have a great rest of your week. <laughs>